Hey. Hey. We're back. We're back. And together. That's a that's a that's a thing. We're sitting in the in the new basement with a new sort of setup. This is sort of like the uh the no table setup. We'll yeah. see how we like this. I like it. Yeah. As long as I have lumbar support, man. This is <laughs> Well, I just thought it, if if you had brought uh, snacks, or if anybody had brought right, snacks, right. which I think we sometimes do at our yeah. year-end episodes, or maybe it was Isn't just that, the Schmovie Awards Shmovie that Awards, got. Maybe. Yes, but um, could be fancy for that. Yes, right, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so hopefully this won't feel disorienting or alienating. Ronald, you're a little further away from me than you normally are. I know, but uh, I was gonna bring smoke muscles, but I just pay for movers. Mm-hmm. We just pay for more. Trade so off, just, like, do I, move, yeah. do I move my things or do I get smoked muscles for Stephen John? Yeah. I think you made the wrong choice. Right. I know. You could always I get know. your stuff moved later, but I understand. Priorities have always been an issue with yeah. you, but uh, one day you'll You're telling me. <laughs> it's an you're ongoing telling, process. You're telling me. And who are you? I'm Ron. And do you hear that dog barking? Yes. What dog? You don't hear the dog? Steve. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Uh, Steve. You, you're John, right? I'm John, the and, guy whose dog is barking. And this is movie schmovie, just yes. in yeah. case you didn't know. Whenever you say and that. And I mean my it, actual dog is upstairs barking, not that my feet are. Like, whenever you say that, I never hear it on the podcast. That's because of the magic of his editing. Oh, okay. Uh, it's about 50-50. Sometimes I am really worried about it, and it's not as audible, but there are times where we just let it go, and it's yeah. just raging in the background. So right. I like it. It gives yeah. some atmosphere. Yes, definitely. Of dogs. I'm sure... Of, I, I, as the as the as the audio engineer of this podcast, I can tell you that's not the kind of atmosphere that you want. <laughs> well, you'd be wrong, sir. Do you remember when we when had this podcast started? What was our goal? Dogs. Yeah. Atmosphere. <laughs> yes. It's chaos. And two hundred and what forty five? Yes. Episodes later. Thank you, John. Did you guys see the that. painting "Dogs Playing Poker"? And you said that's the vibe we that's want to create. Yeah, yeah. Remember we saw that and we were like, let's yeah. make a podcast. One day we'll get that. And maybe we'll even get like feet running around. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right like, now there appears this is to be like a, authentic dog background. There's a stampede of sock feet and clawed feet. Yes, we yeah. are in we're in the middle of recording. Oh. Maybe. All right. Well, we can we can. This pause. is as legit as it gets right here. Yes. Yeah. There's a live dog in the studio oh, right here now. Here comes another one. <laughs> and what when you can only have one? We would request Hello. two. Hello. Can you believe she's not even one year old yet? Wow. Wow. Oh, you're beautiful. She is a big puppy. You're a beautiful puppy girl. Oh, oh, oh. Hey. Hey, buddy. It seems like they get along, right? That's... They they do they can go crazy with each other, but it's like when they're chill, mm. you see they're how good. yeah. Oh. I think it I think in the balance of things, it's good for him to have a dog buddy around. But in general, there are times where he looks at us like, "What did you guys do? Why did you guys do <laughs> Hey Nikki, am I gonna have to come help corral them? She just <laughs> dipped out. <laughs> She's like, oh, oh it's, they're gonna just hang out for the episode. No, it's not like they're having fun. <laughs> Do you remember when we had crickets? Yeah. Yes. There was like, and I remember thinking it was going to be that way every time. Yeah. And there was no editing around that. Yeah. And and I think within a few weeks, like the temperature changed enough so that like crickets weren't 
singing at seven o'clock, you right. know, which is right, when we were right. recording for a while. So, so it's like it just faded out. But I remember the next year when it came around again, I was like, I didn't. I, there, there was no resolution to that. It was just that the crickets stopped doing it. But there was like one in one of these window wells yeah. or something, and it's just crazy. They're going so on upstairs? they're so small and so loud. <laughs> John's about to implode right now. Yeah. Look at this. He's swe- Look at him sweating. <laughs> I think they're about to let the dogs out and then take them upstairs. Wait, who? Who let, let the dogs out? No, the question this time was who let the dogs in <laughs> oh, to, the, uh, to the basement. Uh, 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 so they were out already. Yes, right. Mm. They were out, not causing problems. Someone let yeah. them out. Um, no, they were out of this room, I mean. That's <laughs> such a funny song, who let the dogs out. Did you watch a documentary about that song? No. Did they Wait. finally reveal who didn't? Wait, no. Yeah, no, that is the white one. The one that had the, it premiered at the film festival, the Maryland Film Festival. It's literally, I think, called like Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no. It's, it's a basically about how like they like stole that song. Really? Oh, it's brutal. Like, uh, Jeez. I have to find out what it was called. I watched it back in the summer, but. All right. So if people are hearing dogs at this point, just accept that Sully yeah, and Betty yeah. are sort of like mascots. They're looming. Yes. Yeah, Lurking, fun. maybe. Yes, I don't know. True. Um, Depends how they're feeling tonight. Mm. But this is episode 245. That's correct. A big deal. This yeah. is one of our kind of year in review episodes. This will yeah. be our looking at the best television shows of 2019 yeah. uh, episode. So a lot of hours have gone into preparing for this one. Did anybody cram on any shows before, or did you just sort of go with what you had been watching throughout the year? Did you feel that urge? Mm. Yeah, no, I, I feel like I kind of just went with my gut on what I'd seen or f- had just recently finished up. I mean, there wasn't much that I kind of had missed entirely that I felt like I had to see. Right. I mean, there may be a couple that I may visit later and be like, damn, I should have watched that. But mm. I think overall, the TV portion of our year in review that mm-hmm. we do, I was less stressed about. Because I, I actually was really on top of shows this year when they aired mm-hmm. oh, wow. and those that i wasn't like i caught up with pretty quickly when they kind of came to a season's end mm-hmm. uh like movies like i did a lot more cramming for our next episode but like this this was something where i was like rolled into the holiday and the new year being like yeah i'm pretty good with what i'm gonna pick as my top three so yeah what about you ronald uh i'm just kind of telling you before like this was the hardest i've i've consumed more tv than i have movies just because there have been there's been so much TV right of all genres and and I think this is probably the most diverse list I've ever made just in terms of types of shows and mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I've I've consumed a lot of this is the most 2019 I've watched more shows than I have in my entire life in a year. In a year, yeah. yeah or you yeah. watched more this year than you've ever <laughs> no. watched in your life. Well, I, I sent you guys that headline. Uh, I didn't actually oh, yeah. read the full report, but that supposedly there were over 500 yeah. scripted television shows in 2019. And, I believe and it. All yeah. of them were all of them were on Netflix. Netflix. Now, and now, all of them starred as someone that used to be on the CW. Or were written by <laughs> Tyler Perry. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. By the way, he writes... All of his scripts? He doesn't have writer's rooms, which a lot of people say is shitty because he's a guy who could... I mean, he's starting this kind of new Hollywood in Atlanta yeah. with a studio that, that he, that's change. in Atlanta right that he, yeah. Yeah, but, but the idea that he's not giving a leg up to a diverse right. writer's room it's yeah. a little bit of a glory hound thing but I think his whole point is just you got to do the work yeah. um, I, but I, I think the funny thing is uh, he posted this tweet it was pictures of all the scripts he wrote in 2019 mm. and he was sort of saying I wrote all these to brag yeah. and somebody said that's kind of like 
bragging after you've like taken a shit that messed up your friend's plumbing. <laughs> I did that. You know, that it's like we all know what the general consensus is about the quality of uh, Tyler Perry's efforts. That's I don't know if that's fully fair, but I do think that like uh, weird you know, flex, but okay. Yeah, exactly. That's the ultimate weird flex, but okay. But I felt like this year I watched more shows than I normally do, and yet there were still shows that I couldn't include on my list because I didn't finish them or I didn't watch yeah. all the episodes that were available. A few shows I saw like a brilliant pilot or, or a brilliant episode or two, but I thought I'll get back to that and I kind of never did because there are so many different reasons you might like a television show. Oh I might God. be really engaged by something that I don't even think is that great when I take a step back from it, but the act of being pulled into a show sure. and wanting to watch the next one. And and if you do hit a binge, that binge where it gets the hooks in you and you start going, I guess I can watch six episodes before I go to bed, you know? Mm. Like, I think there is something magical about that. And this year, I would say there were more than usual of shows that I watched where I was like, I'm not even sure how I feel about this, but I'm completely engrossed in it. Yeah. Um, and I actually will start off because one of those such shows is one of my picks. So I'll get us going mm. with a show that really, I, I kind of picked shows that I thought would just be fun to talk about because there's mm. a lot of great shows out there, but I think we're all watching or have watched every, every episode of Servant, right? On yes. Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, Servant. What a weird what, what a, a weird show, but what an interesting show and what an engrossing show and what an addictive show. From the I yeah, watched yeah. it with like my skepticism filter way up sure. because it's it's in that M. Night Shyamalan mold of, of mystery... And, and with the television show, you can stretch that out more than just two hours. You know, yeah. you can spend years. And I did read somewhere in a dispiriting little bit of information that he views it going six seasons and 60 episodes. So this 10-episode this season that just started is almost over. So I say this at the point where we don't really know what the season finale is going to be. So yeah. I actually feel like this is possibly the best moment to be interested in Servant. Yeah. Because the season finale is probably when something happens that will tip us off to the twist or 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 something yeah. where we will begin to know if this show really has the good. So I guess yeah. actually the day this episode comes out, <laughs> yeah. I will be have... finding out or will have found out whether I would still put it on my list. But I was I was shocked at how much I was into this show, especially given the fact that there are elements on it that, that don't even make sense to me. Yeah. Particularly the 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 lead performance, perhaps we might call it, of Lauren Ambrose yeah. uh, as Dorothy. It is a crazy performance, but it's, I will say that in the most recent episode, it was the first time I started to go, okay. Yeah, that's why they... I kind of so, think I get why she's so heightened. Yeah, yeah. However, I still feel like she's doing something very bizarre as an actress, which is it's really kind of testing the patience of the viewer with just how many expressions she can have while she's saying a line and how how much she can like move her body around. I mean, she's being very expressive. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess that's a conscious choice, but I guess I'll throw it to you guys before I say much else. What do you what do you think about Servant? Do you feel similarly to me that like despite its flaws, it's got this weird as I often want to say about something that I just enjoyed is like a hypnotic effect. There's something that draws you in on this show. I've, I've kind of, kind of talked about this a little bit in terms of what I think that Apple TV plus is doing. And I think if, if we were to, if I were to classify it in a, in a type of content category, I'd say it's like baby HBO in the way that like it has these very niche things it, it's it's very distinct. I've never seen anything like it. It commits to it enough. It's well-filmed. It's well... The actresses and actors are always pretty incredible. And this feels like that. And, and for a first set of offerings, 
for this to the be talent the talent that they bring in, like um, really the H. The, we even said before Apple TV is Apple TV Plus or Apple Plus TV. This is Apple TV Plus. Plus. Apple TV Plus. Yeah. That that it was like announcement after announcement, which felt like for over a year. Yeah. Felt ridiculous. Just this right? crazy talent that they were yeah. getting. And I will say that's one thing that unifies all the shows I've seen is that the production values are are crazy. Yeah. And in that sense, it's almost it's not. I wouldn't say that it's better than HBO production values, but there is something about these something. shows that has like a a shimmer to it or something. They just are crisp. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be too bowled over by just the fact that they had you know nice cameras or whatever <laughs> and good lighting, but it is interesting that they came to market with these the offerings, as you said. That sometimes it almost feels like. There's a there's an act of faith in saying this is a show that we're going to present you with ten episodes or or however many. Yeah. Um, who knows if this show goes to six seasons? But it is not created necessarily by M Night Shyamalan. It is it's co-created by him or co-executive produced. He directed a few episodes, but mm-hmm. his his mark is all over it. His kind of camera work and the pacing yes. of his reveals is all over it. So I think we can say it falls into his kind of uh, the twist is going to determine the quality of the story. Uh, and it does feel like there's a twist coming, but I would say in the most recent episode, we got something of, something of, of a twist, twist. reveal, yeah, which yeah. is the the question we've been asking, uh, which throughout this series, we know before the series started, this couple uh, played by Toby Kebbell and Lauren Ambrose, Sean and Dorothy, they lost their baby who was 13 weeks old and they have been coping or she has been coping from her, her extreme emotional breakdown after losing the baby yeah. with something that's a real thing. I think they're called... What are they called? Reborn dolls. There's some process by which it's not shiny, hard plastic. It looks more like skin. Yeah. There's different things they do. They weigh them a little bit heavier so that it feels like the weight of a real baby. Yeah. And some people collect them because they're super rare, but some people use them for a short time to cope with losing a baby because there's like a physical need to be close, especially for the mother yeah. Yeah. of a baby that they've given birth to. And this movie picks up with that premise of a couple that has a a, a reborn doll, yeah. which I feel like it, whoever created the show must have just seen an article about these things. And the idea kind of writes itself because yeah, I did yeah. a little deep dive before I watched the show and I was like holy shit this is real and I actually did a little background check to make sure this wasn't a Wikipedia page set up by the show like some kind of Blair Rockety Witch right, right. Uh, promotion back in the day to made to look real right. but so yeah. that premise of then they bring in a nanny to take care of the doll which keeps up the illusion because the mother who this whole doll illusion is for She's not just using the reborn doll as a coping mechanism. She seems to think her child is still alive. She's sort of blipped over. She won't accept the moment when she when she knew that her child was dead. Yeah. And we spend many, many episodes seeing her acting in this very intense, extreme way. And we finally find out like what actually happened. And you can see why it might have caused these things. But the premise of the show, the creepy premise is what happens when this nanny shows up. And then uh, I won't say too much more to anybody that hasn't watched it, but... but Things start happening. Unexplained things start happening. Um, It's a dark, sad idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I was almost glad in the beginning of the show that they didn't deal too much with the mechanics and the story around the baby actually dying because I thought to myself, I don't know that I want to watch that. And I thought we'd been spared that. (laughs) But as they've kind of flashed back, we have have caught up with with the horrible way that it happened. Have you seen the most recent one, Ronald? Yeah. Okay. How do you think they they handled that? um, This is one of those shows that the less you know, I kind of wish we could... Say hey, this is all. This is all kind of spoilery. All yeah. even the premise, because like if you look at the marketing for it, they don't really talk about anything, right? Besides the fact that there's a baby. Right. So I'd say, um, for for what you're given and and what the way that they handle all that stuff, I think it's just it's really good storytelling. I mean, for for what it is, I I think it's some of the better storytelling, especially when it comes to like the horror genre. If you want to put it in the suspense horror genre of tv show 
I mean, the only thing I can really compare it to is uh, the the show you guys like. Um, what is it called? House. The house. Haunting Hill. Haunting house of Haunting Hill. Hill. Uh, the haunt- just in terms haunting of like, Hill House. Just good story. The house of Haunting Hill. Yeah, <laughs> there aren't too many TV shows that I I would compare it to besides just really good storytelling right, right. and that, that. So. Yeah, the way that it, they handled the un, unraveling of whatever happens yeah. that day, when Aaron figured out what was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the key. Like John was saying, like I feel like it's if, you, if, if you if you if you learn that too early in the season, it's yeah. like that's really like sad and like. Yeah. Sure, you don't want to spoil anything, but like something happens, and like right. well, we know that, that the baby's you, dead, so you, it can't you, be anything happy. You know, you yeah. know something. Right, you bad don't want happened. to know that too soon because like that's not really what the show is about. Right, like, the right. show is not about the event that happened; it's about what's happening now. Yeah, and like w- the questions around it, the mystery around it. But all these things, you know, are happening in some sort of concert where like there's some connection between everything, and all these seeds are being planted where. You're wondering and you're trying to connect some dots, but then you actually you get to the point that you actually are told what happened, and like so much stuff makes sense in terms of behavior mm-hmm. and the lead the lead performances from Laura Ambrose specifically, and just that character. Like some things kind of make more sense, yeah. and like it makes it even sadder. Right. And um, no, it takes it from the realm of like the kind of possibly supernatural horror that I'm talking about and puts it in the realm of like, this is just a psychological right. drama right. and it's yeah. a tragic right. drama, right. you know? Right, right. Um, and, and I will still say that it's got that M. Night quality, and I was joking with you guys about this, uh, about how people just don't say things that people say. Like, oh, yeah. Even with even beyond the sort of this is a heightened situation, there's a mm-hmm. weird dynamic and there's weird dialogue and there's a weird, like, I, and I, I found myself sometimes bumping up against these sort of awkward exchanges between people, but the acting is pretty good. Um, it, at least interesting. Even Lauren Ambrose, who can be a bit much, it's it's interesting to see. But I thought that um, you know, especially as he got to show more of his emotional underpinnings, Toby Kebbell is is doing some pretty subtle, like solid work. A lot of times, if you're playing the kind of distant, aloof character, it's hard to find the heart of that character. But I yeah. think we are seeing that this guy's not just a not just a stiff. Yeah. Uh, and then I think Rupert Grant is a big surprise. He's uh, nuts. Ron <laughs> Weasley, who he's not quite pulling off an American accent. Um, but he's doing that that sort of American accent that British guys can do, where it's all very overpronounced, you know. Um, but it's it's an interesting thing just seeing he's so Ron Weasley of any, you know what I mean? Like yeah. to see him in any other role is always a little bit weird for me, and he seems to be really kind of playing against that type. It's really it's really kind of fun to watch him. Yeah, it's like a performance that that I dig. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a solid show, man. It's and you know, the, the actress that plays the nanny, she was on game of Thrones. I think she was, yeah, the, Marcella. she was Marcella. Yeah. She's British. I'm pretty sure Toby Kebbell's British. Yep. Yeah. They're all doing American accents and they all have a more natural way of speaking than Lauren Ambrose, who is American. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, we find out why she might be <laughs> kind of like putting on a performance 100% of the time. So, yeah. yeah so yeah, who knows what happens in episode 10 or if they're going to get to do all six seasons of what they have in mind. But right now, if there's a show that is really pulling me in, um, that where I was kind of, when I caught up, I was bummed I had to wait for a new episode. And also very digestible episodes. It's a bingeable show. The 30 minute installment. I don't know what made them realize they could do this in 30 minutes instead of an hour. Yeah, yeah. But I'm really glad because it has made the the show a lot more fun. Those yeah. those little those little capsules to watch, and you can just decide if you want to watch another one. But it, they don't draw it out, you know. Mm. So, cool. Servant. Servant. Is it my turn? Sure. You guys are looking at me. I'm just figured. Go for it. <laughs> a morning show. Another Apple TV. Damn, Apple TV's hitting show. hard on this movie. So, 
Okay. I haven't started it yet. I can't speak to it. Newsroom meets any morning show that you've ever seen. Yeah. It's like fast paced and the dialogue's pretty dense and it's uh seeing the, the the chemistry between the two stars. Really what makes morning show watchable, and this was a show that I would say I don't know how I feel about the show, but the acting on it <laughs> that watch is it. incredible. It's one of those shows. It's one of those shows that like, so that's my gauge, right? Like yeah. how often am I thinking about it? Am I, am I rewatching episodes? Cause they're, they're, they're scenes that are so uncomfortable, so well acted in the moment that I just cannot stop watching it. And then Steve Carell in this position where he's essentially Matt Lauer. Yeah. And and, and and not playing like this is this is not a show that's trying to redeem that character at all. No. It's trying to like make make it clear how we don't even want to see that person get a chance to yeah. redeem themselves. You know, and, and it's a really sharp. Not that they could. I don't. I don't really see very many depictions of whatever it is. I, I mean, at, at some point, maybe ten years from now, we can kind of look at what's happening. You know, people being held accountable for what's happen, for, for what they've done. Right. Right. That, imagine that. I know. Imagine that. This this stage where it has begun on a real accountability on some level, right? H- having a show address that in a real way, I've never seen anything do it. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's being done now and, and kind of this commentary of how men are in positions of power and how poorly they react to information about anything involving women's discomfort uh lack of pay in a situation or just general discomfort in positions that 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 women are being put in um having it being addressed in a real way because it's unapologetic like it really people I've, I've read that there was some uh, some controversy because people were saying like the dialogue feels a little dated but i think it's the opposite i think seeing people react poorly is what it is. It's real. People are reacting poorly to information and saying terrible things and doing terrible things to women. And that needs to be highlighted. Yeah. And seeing it from this like top view, the way that it's being done, I think it's kind of genius. Well, when the show starts, it's not too different from the structure of Servant. You know what has happened. Yeah. But you don't know how it happened. Yeah. And then late in the season... I think it's around episode nine or so. Somewhere <laughs> yeah. late, you get the moment where you see, you finally see what really happened. Exactly. And then, like outside of all that, too, the the hot button issue aspect. There's some characters, and I'll just say two words: Billy Crudup. What? What the hell, Ronald? Like I've always sort of generally enjoyed him. Never thought much about it. He's doing something amazing on this show. He is dancing. I mean, that's the only way I can really describe what he's doing on screen he is dancing there's like a light in his eyes and a little a little grin there's moments where everybody's in turmoil but because he's kind of like a network executive he sort of sees yeah. the potential ratings in this and he's like yes i mean and you would think he would hate this guy but he's got layers to him and yeah. he's not just he does seem like there's some part of him that wants to see the old guard go um and you don't know if the kind of shit that happened in the past of the show would have happened on this character's watch so you feel like he might be a different animal as far as the executives but he's also a, a, a white male studio executive, so he kind of represents, at least in the beginning, the yeah. the, the enemy. Uh, you know, so it is interesting to see that character sort of, as you said, dance between being a villain and a good guy, and then you start to realize maybe there's no such thing on this show. Um, 
we're making it sound very high-minded. It it's not. It's very pulpy almost, kind of yeah. soap opera-ish, but it's it's elevated by everything about the production value. So. It is, yeah. Morning show. Check it out, please. I just got the Apple TV uh subscription a couple weeks ago. So, like actually like literally on Christmas. So, the first you, one I What the are you first... watching the Apple TV on? You watching on your uh Roku? Yeah, that and the iPad. How's it run on a Roku? Because I haven't talked to anybody that runs it on a non-Apple um, TV. I mean, to my experience, fine. I mean, That's really cool. It, it's, uh, it seems like it doesn't run on every Roku, because I have a Roku in one of the bedrooms that is like the one you can do like the wireless audio like to your AirPods through. Right. And it's not. it doesn't work on that one. <laughs> oh. Like It won't install on it. That's weird. Yeah. But no, overall, it's been fine. Um, got you. But yeah, I don't know. I just The first one I jumped in on when I got it was wanting to watch Servant just mm-hmm. for the M. Night of yeah. it all. And... Um, but that's the next one I want to check out is Morning Show. Cool. Uh, so I guess the first one I'll pick, I guess, is Succession. Okay, cool. Um, mm. This is one that I kind of slept on the first season and kind of came to it late. But um, Everybody seems to say it really took off in the second season, too. It, it's weird. It did. But I mean, like, it just, like, the train wreck is just, <laughs> you can't not watch it. Yeah. Um, of this family, like, slowly imploding and, you know just kind of heading towards like the ultimate and the season two ends on like this kind of event that I'm describing, like this, like, uh, what do you call it? Like a division point or whatever. Mm -hmm. But basically like, you know, I'd heard so many great things about the show. Um, you know, when Thrones ended and you know, HBO is kind of rolling out what's going on. What's our big show now. It's one of the ones that they are really championing, uh, championing like this one and like, guess Westworld, uh, for returning series rather. Yeah. So yeah, we took the opportunity to catch up on season one. I think we finished that season out maybe at, at the end of its run, and then season two we watched as it aired and got into that feeling of like, oh man, like this <laughs> once a week thing is like it's really exciting when the show is exciting and like everyone's talking about the show. Yeah, and and that's one of the shows that like you know in whatever bubble I live in, you know, with film Twitter that I follow or like my friends and family or yeah, coworkers it, it that took are, off in memes. This right, season. really, mm. what you know, watch shows like this. Um, it's it's one of the ones that people were constantly talking about. I just think all the performances are are amazing. The family, the Roy family, is just like, uh, like I said, it's like you 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 kind of want to watch this family fail just because of how horrible they are in almost every way. Mm-hmm. But the characterizations and the just the narrative and just like the characters that you follow, you slowly find yourself aligning with some. Mm. Like your 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 team Ken or your your team Roman. Or whatever it might be, or Tom, like just all these really great characters, and um, you know, and Brian Cox is the patriarch of the family. It's like it all just is simple. It's like who's going to take over the family? Yeah. But that doesn't go as planned when the takeover doesn't happen, and like, and it just starts to spiral out from there. But yeah, it's just like the writing is just uh, just amazing, and I I forget the writer's name. Is it, I know it's produced by Adam McKay. And I think he did the pilot, but. Um, I just I just find it addictive, and uh, I don't know anything about like, you know, being rich and you know like corporate America and like media conglomerates yeah, and yeah. and that life of the one percent. But watching the one percent implode on itself at times, like in a, in the most intimate of ways, like with the people that you brought into this world, mm-hmm. um, it's just I just can't I just can't wait for the next season. Like I said, season two I think ends on an amazing kind of just demarcation point slash cliffhanger slash just like what the fuck is happening next moment wow that i mean jeremy strong is just like 
my MVP of the show. I love everything he's doing. He's such a flawed character. Just destroyed. He's Kendall, right? Kendall, yeah. See, I watched... That's one that I watched a couple episodes of and just wasn't able to finish it up in time. Mm-hmm. But I, I did... I liked what I saw of the first season, but it did seem like people's interest in it shot up. I yeah. wonder if it was... If kind of all shows, if they had a strong first season, the second season can really be off to the races because everything's established. But maybe people also... There was a void... Of like, what's that next great HBO show? Totally, 100%. And, you know, with the kind of... This is kind of like, let's take that Game of Thrones idea that anyone can die, you know, and and transmit it over to this world where... Or translate it over to this world that's more relatable and more realistic. But it still right. sort of has that kind of... People can get screwed and people can get ruined and people can be betrayed and... And everybody's kind of got their angle and their plan. So, yeah, it, I and agree with you. The, Jeremy the, Strong is such an interesting actor. I was really glad to see that he got yeah. a, a meaty character on the show. Yeah, and Sarah Snook, who plays Shiv, like the, 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 the sole daughter of the family, she's such an interesting character, too, because she kind of like straddles this line of coming from this family and being a part of this family, but she's like very liberal mm-hmm. and like was a political correspondent, cons- con- uh, uh, consultant for like a very democratic. Uh, possible presidential nominee in the show, so mm-hmm. it's really cool to watch like the clash, even mm. politically, and and with the echoes of the world that we live in now. There's a lot of like mirroring happening on the show, I'm sure intentionally. Yeah, but um, is, I think it's Jesse Armstrong might be the writer showrunner. That sounds um, but just sounds yeah. like a name. <laughs> yeah, and well, they just won like the I just saw them given like they won like the Globe like a couple weeks ago, and I saw I like put a, a face to the name. Mm. Because I always like hear Adam McKay talking about him, but I don't. I never knew what he looked like. But they won like a Globe for like best drama or whatever. Oh, cool! But yeah, it's just I highly recommend the show. I can't wait for the next season. It does feel like that high quality HBO show where like yeah. it's all in the show. Like you know, you, you're watching the best possible version of, of of this story, and you know everybody that's on the screen working it is like Matthew McFadden's in it as like the he, he's married to the daughter. He's like kind of this like country guy who married into the family and it's like kind of awkward and just like making sure he's taken care of through all this shit that's happening it's just a great it's a great show and um it's a great example of like one that caught on enough like you just said the first season where it's like people start to swell around it where it's like this is one of the next big hbo shows like this is going to be the big show like come the emmys next year's emmys like you know they really hit a stride in the second season and now everybody knows most people know what succession is. And uh, if not, even this season, Kendall had this like very viral, memeable thing where he like did this rap at his father's like <laughs> yeah. party. And it's it's amazing. Like it's okay. it's it's incredible. But uh yeah, Succession's on HBO. So if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. Cool. And we might be coming back to HBO later in this conversation, but oh, that, yeah. that that question I had in my head of like What's HBO going to do now? They feel like all these other services are coming up and Game of Thrones is gone and maybe they can't have this kind of critical mass anymore. And I would say I have thought of since then of like four or five brilliant shows they've had. Some that won't make my list. Maybe we'll get a chance to, you know, chat about them at some point anyway. But like just they they definitely have a really interesting stable and that quality control and that development cycle that they go through. I do think that still puts them apart from from a lot of the other uh you know outlets they're competing with and talking with aaron tonight before i came over here it was like we were talking about we were talking about the, a new show on hbo the outsider which just premiered last week i'm so ready for it i haven't watched it yet it's amazing really it's fucking amazing no, it looks so damn good dude like jason bateman directs the first two episodes 
Dude is like legit one of the best directors doing t- TV. Like he really? is amazing. He's in the show too. Yeah. But the first two episodes he directed, oh my God, you guys are going to love it. Okay. But, but we were talking about this on the way over here when I was leaving the house and it was like, she made a similar comment where she's like, it really just feels like in HBO, it's like the quality over quantity where like everything they put out, most of it's at least very good. Yeah. yeah. We're like Netflix, I, no criticisms because I'm a Netflix uh, fan. Like it's just... Tons and tons and tons, and some of it's amazing. Yeah, you some. know, and that's the key. Like, it's just there's so much at the yeah. wall, and, and some will stick. But like HBO is so methodical in what they roll out, what they really press and promote, and like kind of make sure you know. I'm you know laughing. I mean? I'm thinking of something you said once where you were talking. I think last time we talked about this that HBO has created this idea that like they somehow are like white tablecloth dining yes. of television even though they're just like another channel and you, you pay money and you get it and anyone can get it it's, right. it's not yeah. cheap but it's not super expensive sure. but it feels people sort act of, crazy about it it feels like, sort of elite and I was just thinking that like Netflix is one of those restaurants you go to where like the menu is 50 pages long yep you know, and it's like, well, they Cheesecake have, factor. they have, yeah, they have everything here. Whereas HBO is <laughs> yeah. the kind of place you go and you find out what the specials are. You right, know? right, right. <laughs> well, but it is a little bit of quality over quantity. I think there is some truth to that. They do occasionally churn things out to the point where I'm surprised how many shows they have that just run for a few years, like Ballers or something that yeah. no one really talks about. But they do manage to have, you know, if it's two or three shows within a year that people are talking about, like you were mentioning with Succession, that's. That's better than a lot of places can hope for. And yeah. and the, and the and the the main difference when you discuss it is that the way they roll them out, those sto- those shows stay relevant longer. They, mm-hmm. they are. And that's they like do. that's like one slight. It's not slight actually. It's a huge competitive advantage. Yeah. Like When you discuss the streaming model versus you know the you know week by week basis, and 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 some of the streaming platforms are changing that so that they do deliver content that way, but. A succession or a show or two that we'll discuss later on the podcast it stays in a conversation for two months, three months, because you have to wait for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that makes that show relevant. And that makes that show like when we come to a year end, like what show did I think about for three months? Oh, in this case, maybe succession for mm-hmm. me. You know, while I love Stranger Things season three, it didn't make it was just off the edge of my list. I love that show. That show felt like it went away in a week. Yeah. Like, yeah. which is absurd because yeah. it, it, it would it's not have yeah. had it probably been in this model. Especially because, and I'm going to make a bold <clears throat> theory that you can't prove or disprove, but I think that the longer you're around as a binge model show, the less eventful it is. Absolutely. And the longer you're around as a non binge model show, the, the more, more eventful it's yes. inverse. It, you're 100% right. Somehow, strange that's Things been scientifically three, like, proven. People were yeah. like, oh, we loved that. That was a pretty good season. A lot of people didn't like season three of Stranger Things, but a lot of people thought it was the best. I don't one. like those people. I, I'm kind of one of the <laughs> people kidding. who thought it was the best season. I kind of loved it. Um, it but, but, um, I even, you know, I, and I think we've talked about this every time we've talked about Stranger Things of like, that's how you're supposed to say the name Stranger Things. You're supposed to Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Um, that, like, I sometimes have to stop and think, how would I be enjoying this if it were week to week, if it were episode to episode? And every now and then you notice that Stranger Things had a good episode. Yeah. But most of the time, I don't notice a good episode on that show. I just notice, oh, that was a cool scene, and I might look yeah. and see, oh, that was in episode four or five. But every now and then you notice, like, from beginning to end, there'll be some thematic material or a little mini arc that gets tied up, and you'll go, oh, that was a good episode of television. Yeah. I don't often have that thought when I'm watching Stranger Things of, like, that was an episode of television. I think of it more like that was a chapter. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. This and, and there's some the weekly model does keep the conversation. Everybody's talking about the same thing. Well, yeah. you know, Mandalorian I, like yeah. had an opportunity if, to reign over people's consciousness conscious conscious consci- consciousness. Yeah. Consciousnesses. Wow, that's a yeah. word you should should <laughs> consciousnesses. People's consciousnesses uh for a long time because yeah. of that. Here's the thing. If someone brings up Stranger Things season 3 to me right now, I will tell them to shut up. It's like get out of here. Yeah, what why do you watch it when it came out? Like that's the problem with it. You know, you what mean, mean if they're watching it now? If they're watching, oh, it now. Yeah, if yeah, somebody yeah. comes to you, Steven's like, yeah, t- season episode three of yeah. season. You'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> First and foremost, yeah. get out of my face. Yeah. But there's something about it happening weekly that keeps the keeps the conversation kind of uniform. Everybody it's a weird. Like, it's a it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people are talking about that, like yeah. in the industry that I follow. Yeah, it's messing and, with people. And I man. feel like there's, I feel like something's going to change in the next year or so at Netflix, where yeah. some of this is going to change because I think yeah. that they're seeing. Yeah, there's there's something happening with that, like with especially with their flagship shows that they want that sustainability or that like kind of long term, long lead stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Or, or maybe they kind of like drop a couple episodes and then like Outsider on HBO, they did the first two episodes and then it'll be one a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanna, so like I wanna, some, some of those, some of the shows are doing that where they drop the first two or three and then they pan it out over the next like five or six weeks, which yeah. seems pretty smart now that I have to, you know, now that I think about it. I want to point out that I said something about this quite a while ago. Okay. Your check's in the mail, right? <laughs> But you, it's I, it's actually just like I, a play check. No, I'm though. serious, man. Like I'm I'm glad that you guys see the value in both. Because like sometimes you talk to some people and they're just like, "Why would I ever ever want to wait for?" That's why I wait till the <clears> end. Of, but but you never get to talk about it. I mean, not to yeah. not to it's, be. It's it's like a catch. You mean if someone waits to the end like, of the season yes, so they can watch it all at once, I, right? Yes, and and that's that's <sighs> like if the idea is like you're watching something and it's a community thing like it's like a there's something to it i'm not saying that that's the key is that it, it's got to be that level show though and i don't know how you know that going into right. it right you it's got to be that, that show that it's worth the wait yeah where it's that good yeah. and it's also like you want to just like sit in what you just watched for a week and talk about it with they your have friends. to give you so much that at the end of an of an episode you're going like i don't know that i would have wanted any more than that right you exactly you know yeah. exactly it can't be like i don't know that every show i watch on netflix that i love uh, you know, that'd be like, I'd like to watch that once right. a week. No, I want to, I'll watch that one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you decipher it. But I think there's probably some sort of like, you know, hierarchy that these yeah. net platforms have to be making where they know this show, you know, and I don't, I didn't watch it yet, but like, you know, you talk about something like The Witcher, like that's a big show for Netflix. There's got to be some sort of long-term forecasting where, like, this is one that we should have rolled out weekly yeah. because people were, like, blowing up shit the week mm-hmm. it came out. And two <laughs> weeks were. later, I mean, remnants. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, now they're promoting Narco. You know, like, it's like, what's the next show? Like, they didn't, like that would serve them better, I think. Yeah. But yeah. not to get too far on that. Let's keep this going. No, no. I'm, Ron's got places to be. It's a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will just throw this out here. Uh, what we do in the shadows, the FX show. What good a choice, what choice. a funny damn show and uh, you know a, I was gonna put a, a concept that did not have to be made into a show and you yeah. kind of don't want it to be but then when you hear who's on it if you know who Matt Berry is if you know mm-hmm. who Mark Proch is you kind of start to go okay maybe this is going to be pretty interesting and as it stands it's a great extension of the that movie universe because um, it's 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 in universe like it takes they've made 
they've made it clear that this is connected directly to the movie What We Do in the Shadows. It's yeah. just not concerning any of the same characters. So it's a cool way to do a spinoff or to do a television adaptation. They didn't recast any characters. They didn't take the dynamic of that movie and change it around for a show. They just said, let's have a different group of vampires. They're right. in the States. Right. Um, they add the brilliant uh, idea of, a, of an energy vampire, um, <laughs> so Colin, who, uh, <laughs> when he's like feeding and he's got his like eyes big and his mouth. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I just love the, the concept of that. Like the fact that you can take the silliness, the supernatural aspect of it is played somewhat straight. Mm. And yet these are silly characters. Yeah. And then there are a few very funny extensions of like what what vampire powers would be. Um, the idea of, of the social vampire who comes up to you and starts telling you a boring story about his weekend and you just are drained afterwards. That's brilliant. You know, it that's something that's very true. Um, and even he, didn't he? Yeah, at his office, there was an emotional vampire. Yeah. That he was like, she's good because she's like telling sob stories about her life. Uh, she's, you know, he would, I think what was it? He came up to somebody's cubicle and they were already, they were already drained. Yeah. <laughs> and he noticed there's someone new. Anyway. Uh, that banality mixed with the the you know sort of genuine mythology they're building out with the vampires and the kind right. of hierarchy of what they're supposed to be doing. The idea that they're sort of an outpost in the United States, they were supposed to be taking over, and they have like uh, been here for a hundred years or something, and they've they've maybe taken over. What did they? There's like a few blocks that they've <laughs> that they've become dominant over, um, and that the idea that there would be other vampires higher than them that are like, if you know, we're going to bring somebody in to do the job you can't do. Yeah. I don't know. The promise of that getting more and more arcane and more and more uh, uh, detailed is very funny. But what you're really clocking in for are those characters, Nadja and Laszlo. Uh, in that so first good. season, their romance, um, it's another great story where throughout the season you have certain assumptions, and then at the end of the season you see that they were telling you a love story about those characters right. all along. Yeah. Um, I love that kind of sort of secret long planning that you <laughs> yeah. uh, that you can do with uh, this type of show. So it's serialized, but week to week it doesn't feel like they're laying down track for this yeah. uh, you know ponderous giant story. It just feels like a sitcom. And it is... You know, in the tradition of kind of mockumentary sitcoms like The Office or or uh, Parks and Rec or whatever, where you can have characters kind of just talking to the camera, that is a great venue for comedy because you can have them just explain something really crazy. But yeah. I feel like this show does it in a in an artful way. They don't overuse that type of gag where the the only thing that's funny is because the talking head set up something yeah. you're about to see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I it sort of got in under my. Uh, uh, defenses. I, w I didn't really want to see them take that movie and spoil it, but uh, if they're gonna so build good. it out, this is a, a great example of how to do it right. Yeah, Matt Berry in any a U.S. show. His delivery style <laughs> is so great. I watch everything that he does. I watch every Toast of the Town. I watch everything that Matt Berry touches, and he's so good in everything. So my my pick is your number two. My number two. Okay. Is actually a cartoon, uh, one on a network that I don't think that anybody has right now, and that's uh, DC Universe. Okay, mm. man, the Harley Quinn show is some of the best writing right now. Period, and the concept is super forward thinking. I dare say feminist. Yeah. Uh, so the concept is basically that Harley Quinn um, is constantly getting abused by Joker. He punches her in the face. He, dumps her he blame he he leaves her in in situations to get in trouble she gets thrown in arkham asylum constantly and he's free and then one day she has this change of heart where she decides that she kind of wants to break free mm -hmm. and she tries her best to break free but she needs some help in poison ivy who later becomes her best friend 
kind of talks her through mm-hmm. this whole situation. And it's kind of this really cool look at a woman uh, finding her identity outside of a, a man. Mm-hmm. It's super cool, really vulgar, uh, really funny. Um, and the voice cast, I keep hearing cool people that are on it. Uh, Ron Funches is one of the characters. Alan Tudyk. Uh, yeah, Jason Alexander. Uh, it's just a really well-voiced uh, show, really well-written. They seem to be doing that with the character of Harley Quinn in the new Birds of Prey movie, too, where they're trying to get her out of the shadow of yeah. not just the Joker as a character, but this toxic relationship where she's kind of yeah, the victim. So there's one thing I want to also include. like, So there's a lot of really interesting things. Like She's trying to create her own group, and uh, it's a bunch of misfits. One guy, and I think he's called the Psycho or the Psychic, he gets kicked out of the League of Shadows because... He was in a public fight with uh, Wonder Woman and calls her a cunt on camera. And she, he gets canceled. And so he comes to... He Harley, gets canceled. He gets canceled. You sounded like you said she gets canceled. No, no. He, funny. Get, he calls no, her that and she gets canceled. He gets canceled. Whoa. And then he comes to Harley That's Quinn's unfair. group and, and basically is like a weird sort of asshole character mm-hmm. that called Wonder Woman a cunt. It's just... That kind of humor. It's just really well done. I'm going to have to put a warning at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. That word is it's a harsh one. It's funny that over in the UK, it's like calling someone a fucker. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. It is. But here, crazy. no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, no. I have no, not no. heard any. I mean, I've, I haven't heard anything but good things about it's that so show. Good. It's you know? so good. I, like, I, I didn't know quite how adult it was, though. So it so sounds adult, like it's very man. adult. It's like, oh. <laughs> what if it wasn't? No, it's for kids. <laughs> it's the first kids show with the C word in it. <laughs> it's so vulgar. Yeah, but it's it's cool, man. Uh, my next show is another HBO show. It's the Craig Mazin miniseries Chernobyl. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I don't know, man. I just love like historical, like just, I don't know, not tell-alls, but like mm-hmm. telling me so much I didn't know about yeah. something that I knew a little bit about that's like this massive historical event that's just, um, you know, you didn't know you wanted to watch five hours about Chernobyl right. and about the, the lead up to it and the aftermath and... Um, Oh, what a grim story! Yeah, just yeah. some of the some of the best uh, performances on TV this year, and uh, just like cinematography, the I mean, everything on this series is like top notch. Like again, another show that I'm sure Emmys, anything like that, like it's going to be the thing you hear about a lot. Not that that's all that matters, but I'm just saying, uh, consistent with the HBO quality conversation we just had, another show that's just amazing. And how much do you love? That's written by the Hangover guy. It's weird, right? Like, like I mean, yeah. that's he's so got this, He's got this like whole new level of like everybody's talking about Craig Mazin, and I think that show Script Notes, that podcast yeah. he does with John August, yeah, has a, a huge part of that because regardless mm. of what you think of his resume, Craig Mazin is kind of a pinch hitter, and he's yeah. one of the few like. I mean, not maybe one of the few, but he's one of those super successful screenwriters who gets brought in to do doctoring on right, things, right. Mm. Um, even though they don't like that term. Um, and so, yeah, you realize that limiting him to, to the hangover guy, I was saying that semi-facetiously, yeah. but he would be the first person to point that out, that like it has. the unlikeliness like, yeah. that he gets this kind of material. But it's so interesting that it's such a writer-driven show. Yeah. I know that kind of... Uh, 
that was that caused some backlash on uh, True Detective when people thought Nick Pizzolatto didn't quite have the the goods. But mm. in this case, all five hours of that show were, were written by him, and yeah. I think the amount of research he did. I know he was working on it it's for insane. a long time before he did it. Yeah. So I think if you get a writer who really knows what they're doing and they get a subject like that, yeah. obviously that kind of, what a five episode miniseries. Five, what a yeah. great yeah. format, you know, that yeah, it can be really however good. long the story needs to be. All all these characters, uh, I I I don't. I mean, I guess there's only a couple shows I can really compare it to. Like, I guess like The Wire. The way that The Wire really doesn't omit anybody's story. Like, yeah. everybody's a part of the story. And seeing how they weave together is just really well done. I care about everybody in the story. Mm-hmm. Even the assholes. Even the people that are, like, doing the terrible things. Right. Making the terrible calls. Yeah. I'm like, what? what? Well, I mean, The Wire, like, the, the main character is the... McNulty is the lovable asshole, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But to see a story like Chernobyl where there is... And I have heard some talk about how accurate some of the stuff is. I think maybe, as with all things, they've sim- simplified things to make it digestible like the, for a show. Like the Emily Watson character yeah. is like a person, and it was not like a person that right. was okay. kind of in the science world of it. But gotcha. but still, like that idea that you could make it an entertaining show with actual yeah. characters in it and not just be feeling the weight of the awfulness of what's about to happen... Yeah. Um, that's really special. I need to finish that. I only saw the first couple, oh, but I, I have to say, I was it's, not, in, I was not, I was not in the mood for it when it was happening. I was like, I need to step back. It, yeah. it was yeah. a, I was just, <laughs> during the middle of the remodel. <laughs> I was in a rough place. I, I didn't yeah. need to be depressed. Right. But, but uh, yeah, the the craftsmanship is just amazing. Yeah, and I mean the direction, the cinematography. I, I mean, it's just like it's just that quality. I mean, all, that's on my mind right now. Just talking about these shows, just like the quality of the production and just like all of the performances, Stellan Skarsgård, Jared Harris, I mentioned Emily Watson, um, Jesse God, when, Buckley when have those is guys amazing. not been good? Stellan I know, Skarsgård but it's just like Harris. seeing them together on the yeah. screen together and like, you yeah. know, making characters that you kind of feel like this can't be a good character, but then there's a little bit of good in all these characters of, of sorts, most mm-hmm. of our main characters at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I'm a sucker for like a really intriguing and interesting like true story uh, narrative, you know, um, and especially when it's kind of handled with such care, like you said, it's obviously that there was like tons of research that went into this. The companion podcast that was airing, um, the HBO put out for it was oh, wow. was just amazing. I mean, just like more and more, just like mind blowing information. They're doing a great job with that, by the way. <clears throat> yeah, with that yeah. aspect of yeah. Like I mean, it's like the A twenty four podcast. Yeah, where it's like you get these people, these conversations. I listened to the one you recommended. With Paul Thomas Anderson oh, and the Safdie brothers, yeah. Um, but yeah, these these shows where they they just it's like I guess podcast being part of the marketing for a show like that. It's not exactly. surprising that they exactly. would know it, but to do a good job with that as well, it's right. like yet yet another quality control thing that they're doing. It's like getting the right people yeah, to did, talk well, about. I, I, who did that? Was it John August that did it with him? Who was on the 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 Gosh, Chernobyl I, one? I don't him. know who. I don't think it was John August, no. but I can't remember who it was. I forget who hosted that one. But yeah, he's on it. Craig yeah. Mazin is on it, obviously. But um, he's on it. Yeah, Chernobyl is just phenomenal. Close to perfect, I'd say. Like that's it's, it's five hours of perfection. It's mm. it's so yeah. well done. And some of the visuals, just like mm. I can't even wrap my head around like what yeah. happened. You know, like yeah. you hear, you read the, yeah. you read it in textbooks growing up. Yeah. But the way they showed it in the show, like the visuals of the reach and like. The scene of them on the bridge when they like when the ash is like it's like snow it's mm-hmm. like this it's like me- this melancholy scene and it's like the what's actually happening there that these people don't know like that scene specifically like just 
fucks with me still. Yeah. yeah. And to know like how many people far, far, far away from where it happened are still affected by it. It's just, it's just wild. Yeah, it's rough. And really sad, but it's a really well-made miniseries, limited series, whatever they call these. <clears throat> Again, from HBO. HBO. Well, my final pick is going to keep the HBO love going. It's probably the, our, all of our number one, right? Yeah. Did we all have yeah. the same number one? Uh, no yeah. Doubt. Is this no, the first? No, but is this wait, the first time no this doubt. has ever happened? No but doubt. is this the first time this has happened? I think so. Let's Ch- say it check together. the tape. I think check we the may tape. Have for movies, do we have one number know, maybe. one? No, but not for TV. Probably not. I don't Let's just so. say it together. Three, two, one. Watchmen. Watchmen. There you go. If we tried to do that on the phone, the delay would have staggered. <laughs> well, that was my setup yeah. for Watchmen. Was Craig Mazin actually hosts the Watchmen no, no. pod? I honestly was Damon. about to say that, yeah. and then I realized, wait, yeah, I'll back off. I'm glad you pumped it out. Yeah. But that podcast was great too. Yeah. And I will say that, like at this point, I think Damon Lindelof has kind of redeemed himself. If we want to consider him to be the guy who can't stick the landing, let's just stop saying that. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, I, love, because, I love leftovers. I mean, I don't. I thought that. Well, show was I think great. it was. I think it was um, lost, lost plus. Him being brought in as a big, pro- high-profile script yeah, doctor yeah, to yeah, fix yeah. Prometheus, and yeah. then that movie had was, sure. you know, a, a a bungled job of answering questions that people have been asking, which is so what people didn't like man. about Lost. I, I actually feel like I've been revisiting Lost kind of in little dribs and drabs, and and you know, really, I think Lost is underrated. I think that people, I think Lost is underrated. Too. I think that what Lost did has such a heavy influence. On storytelling today. Oh, yes. And the way that Watchmen, an episode of Watchmen, I know that Leftovers came between these two shows, mm-hmm. but I'm going to throw back to Lost. The way that Watchmen reminded me of Lost, the way that you would like get to know a character in their present day self, and then mm-hmm. you get that piece of their story. Yeah. And it's like, I might not see that character again for that amount of time in this whole season, but I now see everything they do as weighted by the, their past, by yeah. seeing, again, origin stories, you know? They can be cheesy, but yeah. Damon Lindelof, I think he's fascinated with origin stories, and I think he's damn good at them. I think this this idea that you you but these characters become so much more poignant when you see what made them who they are, and then you see what they're up against. But then Watchmen also has a great story, an ongoing just nine-episode story. Like, that's another thing. This is nine episodes that's not designed to set up a second season, even though it totally does. Um, yeah. But it is set to be like a miniseries. It's, it's, a, it's a sequel to the graphic novel. Yeah. I feel like you could prepare for this show by watching the movie, except there's a point where that movie would would fall off from it being an indicator because it, the way the Watchmen movie resolves is not uh, is not yeah. related to the graphic novel. But yeah. the but this show picks up exactly as though the graphic novel is set in stone. DC made that motion comic that you can watch. Yeah, there's a there's a yeah. motion comic of each comic book uh, issue that you can watch. One person voices all the mm-hmm. characters. But it is. It's it really is, good. It's really good. Yeah. It's 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 just uh, somebody reading all the panels from the comic. That I would say, if you want to start with something, watch the motion comic. Yeah, because I watched it with my wife who does not know Watchmen, mm-hmm. and I found that it was a little. She really loved the show, but I did yeah. find myself going, "Eh, you don't have to know all this." But I do think it's better if you know the implication of some of that stuff. Right. But I think very quickly this show sets up its own stakes. Damon Lindelof <clears throat> does have a writer's room, and supposedly it's a very diverse writer's room. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can feel that in this show. Oh, the way that it dude. deals with certain yeah. subjects, he has said, he's come out and said, he's still the point man, he's still the name that I mentioned first, he's still the guy who goes and does the podcast and the interviews, but he's very quick to mention that a lot of the best stuff that that rings so true, he's freely admitting that if you look at who that person is that co-wrote each episode with him, it's it's that's sort of who 
who, those are the names you might want to watch as far as who's getting staffed on other shows or maybe right. continuing to work on this because there was a lot of people who I think um, affected how great this this show was just yeah. from the writing to the acting and yeah. the filming the effects and it's again we've been saying all along the HBO production value this this is like a crazy thing if this is what DC is going to do with their television offerings with this new HBO Max partnership that we've talked about um what Damn. the hell? I mean, it's like the, the the sky's the limit with with the kind of stories they'll be willing to tell, and that's the yeah. one thing you can't say about the Marvel Disney continuum is that they're they they wouldn't have gone as deep and done something as not that this is quite a DC property, but I'm just saying it's on that line. Yeah, it's comic booky. It's I, I think that property. like I don't think that you can see this this kind of bold storytelling in many other places. It's pretty yeah. impressive. I'd be worried that like I I wouldn't I wouldn't expect much like all of the DC properties that they're doing to be anything like this. Yeah, I mean, mainly because of what this source material is. Right. You know, but yeah, it is an interesting outlet to see what HBO or DC lets them do with whatever other series they might well, do. Well, I mean, the Joker this the year, IP. or Joker as a movie this year, was very yeah. was right. very adult. Right, sure. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying, it's just the notion that they're trying to maybe set themselves up as apart from that that house style right, that we right, keep right. referring to that the Marvel stuff has. This is this is a different kind of comic bookie. This is definitely yeah. for adult audiences, you know? Yeah. But it's it's also got that pulpy, crazy sci-fi aspect to it that that really does help me watch what would otherwise be a, a you know, a kind of intense drama. Um, Making a, di- a direct <clears throat> sequel that's really very loyal to the source material. Mm-hmm. Fuck my mind. Like, you know, they didn't really say. Like, they, they were just like, this is what? These are a bunch of no, characters. No, they were very vague. And they, they would say, vague. it's kind of a reboot. It's kind of yeah. a sequel. It's kind of a reimagining. And you were like, what the hell is this? Yeah, they were super vague. So as I'm watching the first episode. Spiritual sequel is yeah. what they were saying. Yeah. So yeah. as I'm watching it, I'm like, the first episode, I'm like, this could still be a prequel, maybe. It uh, could be something. It could be a reimagining. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. But then, like, as it went on, I'm like, oh, no, this is like a this is a real sequel. Well, there's a moment, I think in the fifth episode, which, whichever episode it was that focuses on Tim Blake Nelson's character, mm-hmm. they finally confirm... Commit to the... To the image yeah. that is right. the, the closing gambit of the graphic novel. Yeah. And you realize how directly they are sequelizing that graphic novel, which yeah. is, again, you can't... The movie didn't even commit to that idea. Yeah. I, I think what the movie did was... Not the not I, I I understand why Zack Snyder changed it. I always have loved the sort of improbability of what happened in the comic. I love yeah. that this show just picks right up with that aspect of it. It's still related to sort of pseudoscience, um, but yeah. it's it's got this otherworldliness to it. And the yeah. fact that there's a scene is that in the first episode or when the when the like the the rain happens. Yes. Yeah. So th- that right there, if you didn't know that, episode. if you didn't catch yeah. the First context of that, minutes. you'd be thinking, what yeah. the hell's going on? Yeah. Is this like Magnolia right. um, with the frogs? frogs. But um, but no, Tim Blake Nelson, I already mentioned, uh, Regina King is incredible. I mean, she's been build, she's been building this awesome this world, resume yeah. for a while, but I was I was sincerely blown away by just how she was able to... She's at the height of her powers right yeah, now. Right. She, she should be. Yeah, she is. She's yeah. amazing. She's acting her ass off in them, that show. And Yaya... Uh, the gentleman, I don't want to say. Abdul-Mateen. Yeah. The guy that. Her husband. Her husband. Yeah. Yes. Uh, everybody's firing on all cylinders. Every character. and um, Plus, he's got the confidence like in social media and in his career right now of being a guy who was in a great show that everyone loved. Yeah. And who also everyone knows you got a nice dong. Yeah. There's nothing he can't do. <laughs> it's true. But that character, uh, Cal, that mm-hmm. he plays and how that evolves. I mean, oh my God. 
there's some stuff in that storyline that is unbelievable. Yeah. And there's a moment where I didn't just cry. You know, I, you, you and I, Steve, mm-hmm. we talk about crying. I didn't just cry. All the time. I, we do. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we have a separate yeah. group, Ronald, you don't know about. You're it's just the, the tears. <laughs> it's just tons of tears <laughs> yeah. emojis. That's all we do. There's no words. <laughs> just tears. Um, but uh, there's a moment in, I'll just say in the eighth episode, mm-hmm. there's a badass action scene. Yeah. A fight scene. That has got such huge emotional stakes, and it has yeah. followed a huge emotional roller coaster. Yeah. I didn't just like cry; I was like, I I went like, oh, I made like, <laughs> I like moaned because I I knew what was about. I could see where it was going, yeah. see what was going to happen. But there's this moment of, and I'll just I'll just a character fighting for someone they love will almost always get me. Oh yeah. And when you know the odds are crazy, and they know the odds are crazy. But you still see them try it, yeah. And they go out guns blazing. Yeah, that's I think that is so cool. <laughs> but it's it like is. it gets me. It really gets me. I'm like that is powerful. I, I mean, I yeah. love love stories when they're done in like these sideways uh, aspects. And I think this is a great love story that builds up over the season of this yeah. show. And that moment in that in the, pretty much the last scene in episode eight is is it was the pinnacle for me. After yeah. that, the last episode almost felt like a really good epilogue. Yeah. But that moment to me was like this is when the who's re- what's really at play in this story yeah. became clear. And I will just add also that just making white supremacists instead of communists, the bad guys. Yes. Not only does it feel very timely, it feels, it's crazy to say this in 2020, but it actually was a bold choice to make white supremacists the bad guys. Like I wouldn't have thought this a few years ago, but now I say, hey, you know, saying that Nazis are bad is actually kind of a bold thing to do. Yeah. I thought that was really clever, but also it really, really hooked me and it really resonated. Yeah. Um. I think the idea that, like, there were some ideas that evolved from the comic book, like Dr. Manhattan and who he was. Because it, it, in the comic, it kind of gave this idea of, like, one idea about this character. Mm-hmm. And the depth that they add to all these characters. And I, I, the, the cool part about all of this is that if there is a next season, and he's kind of hinted that there will be another season he's, what he said is he doesn't have an idea for it but did you hear I, what I would rather them wait come back three or four years from now with a really cool nine episode season did you hear what he said about not being involved in the next season and he has said that he could like almost set it up like an anthology give it to somebody else yeah. that makes me super sad because I want him to touch it and, and the idea that a person who happens to be white comes with this idea really lends itself to the idea that like there's there is some <clears throat> growth happening somewhere you well, know yeah and it helps that it, well yeah he's like very outspokenly liberal and like yeah, you know, that, that comes from his mm-hmm. character and i was on the podcast that he did for hbo like which in yeah, every craig mason and in every interview he's done he yeah. credits a lot of the the real idea about the tulsa massacre and everything and the whole idea of the the reparations mm-hmm. is from the case reparation from uh tanahisi coates a great like that he read that book yeah. and it was yeah. like that changed that was the moment that's the idea right. for the series. That's that's the idea of how I bring Watchmen into today and whatever. So I mean, if he has to go off and have that exactly. epiphany again that, in a year or so, if I'm that's fine what with he that. means, uh, take the time. Take the time. I would be fine with no more. But I also think if you're talking in TV language, sure. He said he had lunch with Tim Blake Nelson. You may have heard this. Yeah, I think I it was on the I podcast. Did see that, yeah. And he said that he, Tim, he said that people think the ending is a cliffhanger, but it's not. And that Tim Blake Nelson said, "Are you fucking crazy?" <laughs> 
That's like the, <laughs> best that's the best ever. cliffhanger ever. People, yeah, but it it's is. like the question of there's a character who's going to be dealing with a new status, yeah. and how that character will handle that status does sound really interesting. I would like to see it. Yeah. However, if I never saw it, that's in my mind. Yeah, and that makes it a great ending. So it's sure. a great lead up to whatever comes next. But it's also I I believe him when he says that he intended that to be the end of his his idea for a sequel to Watchmen. And I do yeah. think people feeling like endings that are ambiguous are setting up more stories. I feel like that's a symptom of our franchise era that yeah. that it's like sometimes an which, ending which is Which he ambigu- has a big hand in though. No, he does. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he's part of not to no, blame he, for yeah. that, but he's he's made that bed. So, right, you but know. I'm just saying I can believe that you would set out to make something like this and maybe something like Fargo, that model where sure. where a, a year or two between seasons is not going to hurt people's investment. Yeah. Um I think that is uh that is a wise way to go. Uh, Without Given anything away, the idea that like uh, so the the Watchmen had a story within a story, the idea that they have another story mm-hmm. within the story like, that is oh kind of on the, more on the nose than than yeah the 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 previous story within the story, and it's done so fucking well. Yeah, in the original one, there's a there's a pirate comic. Yeah, it's a pirate, and this is a little different. It's like a television show, but it's yeah. very yeah, and and it but it, what's cool about that is it does fill in a bit of the history oh, yeah. for the people like again like my wife who maybe could have watched the show without yeah, yeah, knowing yeah. the the details of the last Absolutely. one. But but it's still even within that I think this is a show that 2 3 weeks in if you're watching I I binged like the first uh 8. Mm-hmm. So I came in I only watched the last one on the regular timetable. I do think this would have been a satisfying watch week to week because it gave you something to kind of simmer with. Um, But I also think I I could see a casual viewer thinking this is the most confusing show I've ever seen. Yeah. But it's just because it's kind of smart and it moves really fast. Watching it a second time with with Nikki, I, I found how... I was almost struck by how it does spell things out, like how much it does hint and how much it does come out and tell you things. It's like one of those things where the second time through you almost go, wait, is this spelled out more than I thought it was? But I think it's just the gift of this kind of storytelling is the second time through, you see everything they're doing to basically point at what's happening. But but the the first time through, it's also interesting. You You don't don't know know what what that means. I guess the what a ton, the how could never have imagined. Mm -hmm. Like I I love that that was a thing. Like, if if you follow, you know, if you, you could follow the story well enough, and if you're listening enough, you could figure out some things. But the how mm-hmm. you would have been in that writers' room, like yeah. there's no way you could have guessed how some of that stuff came to be. So I, th- I think that's it's a perfect show. Yeah, like you yeah, mentioned, man. you mentioned you 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 said about Chernobyl and yeah. you're perfect. This yeah. is a perfect show. I think like so too. the the playing with time, uh, like with the Ozymandias character and like what's happening with that character, and you know just. I just I just love the idea of there being all these the symbolism of a clock and the ticket like all these things that were used in the marketing for the movie yeah. and slowly is doled out through the season or th- through even through each episode it just it's like a drug I mean like to me at least and I, I'm familiar with the comic the motion comic the Zack Snyder film mm-hmm. but even knowing that stuff like the different things that they were doing with this show in this t- in this uh, modern quote unquote version of it or sequel version of it like it was just so just so creative and mm-hmm. like yeah. there's so many characters to follow and every character pretty much gets an amazing wrap up for their st- for their story for this season or for the series if it never comes back right 
And yeah, Gene just, Smart is amazing. Yeah, Gene Smart and yeah. Lou Gossett Jr. One of the best uses Lou of Jeremy Gossett's Irons so in Jeremy years, Irons, too. like Jeremy Irons, man. Everybody. I mean, I don't think there's a weak link in the series. There's and not. There's a, there's a scene in the first episode, I guess, where he's brought a cake. Yeah, yeah it was made very poorly. We can imagine yeah. by these people that don't quite understand human taste buds. He does. <laughs> it's always funny to me, but he does a great job of it within a very dramatic show. The I just ate something that tastes terrible and I'm going to try to be nice about it face. I, I don't know why that's, that always gets me, but like that little moment was so like there's his plotline is so crazy and funny and silly and weird and dark at the same time. Yeah. And the way it builds, it's, it's the strange, it's really the, the most strange factor on the whole show. Yeah. But even that, when it comes together and you see what's really going on, there's a flashback to Dr. Manhattan's childhood that explains something about the, the situation that Jeremy Irons is in. And it was touching as fuck. Like, yeah. there's these two characters yeah. that you don't even really know. You're not even looking for the origin of them. And right. you find out where they come from. And it was a great, I don't know, real humanity coursing through yeah. this sci-fi, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's about those characters and their emotions. Uh, I, I heard uh, um, Damon Lindelof say something on a Lost podcast recently. There's a show called The Storm where they are recapping it week to week. And they have occasionally they'll have someone on to to do an interview, and um, he said something that's just great. And I can't remember who he said it in context with. It was somebody else that I think I would say the same thing is true of them. But he said that one thing they they held true to on Lost is that the miss the ans- the best answer to any mystery is a great character. Mm. Wow. And, and you can really see that on Lost, sometimes almost to a fault, because it was great characters, but you, the storyline got a little yeah. out of control. But I love that notion of a storyteller who's going to root things that happen in human emotions and human experiences. Yeah. And, and this show is a great example of that. You really do feel like every time there was a big mystery, the, the when it was revealed, it was revealed as part of somebody's story, somebody's yeah. very specific story. So, mm. I wouldn't be surprised if this gets translated to a comic. Like it, it's, that would be really funny if it got adapted back yeah, in, or if I, they took the, this world and like started spinning out of it. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's just like somebody just translates it to. Panels. You know who won't do that? <laughs> won't be part of that. Alan, Alan Moore, Moore, the guy who created Watchmen, <laughs> although co-created. Dave Gibbons, the artist. I mean, I love comic book writers. They come up with these great ideas, but Didn't the, he the people who some... put in most of the hours yeah. <laughs> are, the, are the artists. Dave Gibbons is participating in the show. He's, he did. Yeah. I think his he's always been much more ready to play ball with Hollywood. Well, didn't like the picture of Ozzy? Didn't he do that? Like mm-hmm. this, like the the big yeah. picture. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. But Alan Moore just doesn't. I mean, I can understand his whole thing about comic books being like storyboards for movies. He's just offended at the notion that when he does a great comic people are going to say look it's ready to be a movie as though that's some step up from being a comic I think he wants to say this is the finished work you know but um we live in a world with, uh, you know, people have eyeballs and people like movies. Yeah, so, people like things yeah. in motion. So they're going to take great stories and adapt them. But I, I yeah. understand his position, even if I feel like, does that mean he could never appreciate something like this? Maybe he could because it's not really based on his his writing. Anyway. Yeah. Interesting. So that's that's it, right? Yeah. So what shows are you guys looking forward to right now? I want, I want to just say right now, The Outsider is the thing I've been looking the most forward to. And I'm, I can't wait now that I've... Once we've recorded our look back episodes, I can I can catch up on a few new things. And uh, the outsider, I'm really excited about. Also, Fargo season four. Can't wait for that. Just put out that a trailer, trailer that looks un- un- just unbelievable. Yeah. What is this show going to be? Jason Schwartzman. I know. And Chris Rock being. Yeah. Yeah. I was, was going to say Jesse Buckley's who I've yeah. come to love yeah. this yeah. year. Uh, isn't it also? I saw I Jason Schwartzman. Oh, sorry. 
So yeah, yeah. I saw Jason Schwartzman out when I was working at XM. He was promoting I Heart Huckabees, our theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was outside in DC. Do you know how many people think I made that music? Like people that I talk to that listen to the show. That's so cool. That are like, I thought that, but because it, it kind of is in the neighborhood of something I might it do. Is. I always take it as such a compliment. But yeah, I'm like, but really that means our secret source is, you know, like Spotify has some algorithm where it scans podcasts <laughs> for oh. copyrighted material. So maybe way down the list is let's protect the copyright of <laughs> really? I Heart Huckabees. I always like to think that one day John Bryan would, would, would be recommended to, to listen, listen to, to our him. show and then would hear his music. Wait a second. But yeah. yeah. Watchmen. What else is there? Anything else coming up? Well, oh, Better Call oh, yeah. Saul oh, yeah. comes Looking back forward. next month. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for Atlanta was supposed to come out in 2020, that, but I've been pushing yeah. it. I'm, well, pumped, the, I'm pumped for Ozark. I loved Ozark. Ozark was good. I man. need to catch up on that. Yeah, I would I would if you could, especially because I'm just like banging the Jason Bateman drum. Well, like, I mean, he, I was really glad to he hear He won like that, the best director at the Emmys this year for Ozark. Oh, wow. Like, really? Which was a huge upset, specifically for the... Uh, the Game of Thrones yeah. director, um, I forget who the um, can't remember his name right now, but uh, Miguel Sapochnik uh, was like the favorite, and Jason Bateman won for Ozark. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, man, he's he's legit, and I, I love Ozark, and I'm, it's coming. I think in is it March? And you said April? Narcos is coming back too. Narcos is coming back. Is that going to be an all new crew this season? It's the Mexico crew, it's but it, the, it's a season of it's like it's um, that those guys who rolled in at the yes, end of last year. Yes, that was such yes, a great setup. Yes. Uh, that trailer looks great. I wonder if that means Pedro Pascal won't be back. Oh, he's in the trailer? Uh, no, 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 he's, he's not, not in the trailer, but I'm assuming you're right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, although, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't said anything. He has not a part of any of the marketing for it. I don't see him doing anything I mean, anything I would say he's it. too busy with Mandalorian, but right. there's talk that yeah, there's a lot of scenes he's <laughs> he not even the guy in the costume. <laughs> the one scene he shot, maybe? But, I, I mean, know. we knew that about James Earl Jones all throughout sure, Star Wars, and sure. it didn't make that any less his performance. But it cares. But like, I think the yeah. fact that I've been picturing Pedro Pascal under the armor is the difference there. Yeah, yeah. But um, I have heard some actors on that show report that he is on set, or he does do a lot of the interacting with people. <laughs> but I, I wonder if that's like, you'd want to be there for it, or if it's like, if you're just going to be standing there and kind of shrug, then like, do you really, do you yeah. need me? I don't know. Does but, he just stop it? Like, hey, I wouldn't do that. I'm, yeah. I lift my arm a little higher. Oh, what we do in the shadows is coming back too. Lovecraft Country. Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. We're taking this in, and I think we both have weird feelings about it. I think it's a great premise. Yeah. And I think in the hands of Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams and the other person that's developing the show, um, whose name escapes me, I think that uh, it's a great setup. But the book is odd. It's hitting. It's hit and miss for me so far. But I do think that like with the cast they've got and with the creators they've got, I think it could be. A really exciting show. I would just hope that the show ups the sort of horror aspect yeah. because in the book it's very much the case that the racism is the scare is scarier than supernatural <laughs> stuff, right. which is as it should be. <laughs> so but true. but they are sort of missing the real nut of the kind of Lovecraftian horror, yeah. which um, which has a lot more to do with atmosphere and dread and a lot less to do with just like guys in robes and you know like cult members and stuff but anyway no i'm really looking forward to that so that's television in 2019 anybody have any any parting thoughts i love sex education sex on, education on was really good that's com- that's coming back season? in like next month okay this month? next I month i really month? enjoyed that show love that series um did you see tuca and birdie no i did not that got canceled though right yeah yeah it got canceled. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get to watch that yet uh pen 15 love that yeah godfather of harlem I'm, i was really into that I didn't see that one. I've heard that was good, too. Uh, yeah. Forrest Whitaker acting his ass off. There was another 
There's something else that I just saw on the FX reel. Um, oh, Devs. Oh, yeah. That looks really interesting. Yeah. That's Alex Garland, right? Garland, yep. Yeah. Is he Definitely. like behind the whole show? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So that's just what's coming up shortly that yeah. I'm, I'm pumped for. And supposedly it, Disney Plus is stepping up the timeline on those Marvel shows, but they yeah, haven't Wanda said. Yeah, coming out this year. But they haven't said when. I think the really they just wanted to get some announcements out because of the yeah. people jumping ship after Mandalorian wrapped right. up, and I think that is a danger when that's the main reason people were excited to sign up. So if they really do need to get, and I think we said this, they need to have something coming. They need to do the Netflix like or HBO thing of yeah. overlap a little bit with something else people give a shit about. One right? division has to come out. The first half of the year, not for it not to be a dip, not happening. Uh, you know, yeah, I was. I, I mean, I I know they said 2020, but yeah. I I mean, I would stand <laughs> I shocked. Yeah, if it comes out, yeah. I think it's going to probably come out after uh, what is uh, Black Widows in like May, yeah. June, July. It's going to be after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sucks. But what's odd is it's meant to set up the Doctor Strange sequel, which has just lost its director. Shit so, happens, John. I know, but that's odd that they're, <laughs> that they're moving that forward, and that movie seems to now be right. more in flux. But they haven't moved the date for No, they haven't movie. changed the so date. That's, well, that's, that's crazy that that that's machine. like a year from now. Oh, well, not a year from now, but a year from when... Like, they're starting shooting yeah. in the spring, yeah. and it's still set to come out a year after that. Yeah. So that, that is... Yeah. That, but, I mean, that's actually even a short run, even for Marvel. A lot of times they, they announce something, and then you find out that it, you know it's not coming out for two or three years. But right. uh, anyway, yeah. what do you guys think about that, even though it's not television-related? Scott Derrickson... I think it sucks. Yeah. like It does suck. It's like one of those uh, examples of like, you know, you look at the Marvel in Phase 2, Phase 3, it's like these directors that they bring in, even though it's got this Marvel sheen or this Marvel veneer over it, they, they, they kind of bring on interesting directors that are kind of known in a certain genre or yeah. have that touch that they bring to the movie. Um, and Scott Derrickson coming from the horror genre, most of his previous work, if not all, Doctor Strange had a little bit of like that in there. Um, and the potential to go even harder into and, it. Is and there. you hear the title of the next movie, and you're yeah. like, okay, he's perfect. He's going to go. Yeah, They're the going to go for it. Madness, right. And, yeah, in the multiverse. Yeah. And, uh, but it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing because, like, they brought on a different writer for it, and then, like, they, his co writer from the first Doctor Strange wasn't involved. And, yeah, Robert Cargo. Yeah. And, like, so I, I don't know. If there's just like they're not they're not you know whatever creative differences is what they say but well right before he left the project he tweeted that deadline or something that, or that like release st- dates. studio mandated release dates are the enemy of art um, so sense. I can 100% see what I can it was. see being in January of this year and you're supposed to deliver a movie before May of next year I could see being like we don't have time to develop this and get it done right you know right. but um, mainly I just I, I like the idea of uh, sticking with the the horse you rode in on to some extent. Like that, if yeah. this person brought Doctor Strange to this point where he's yeah. now a semi recognizable or iconic character to people, why not let that person? Like I've always been happy to see Peyton Reed, you know, be the person that they're talking about bringing back for more Ant Man. They wouldn't have to do that. So it seems seems a little odd for them to do that. I wonder. It, they talk about it like it was mutual. I wonder how mutual it really was. But Scott Derrickson's presence on Twitter is just generally very positive and very yeah, sincere. And I just, you know, I, I like I like that guy. So yeah, as mutual as a kick in the balls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll get over it. Yeah, that's weird. You mean someone's foot might hurt if they kicked you in the balls? <laughs> <laughs> if they did it like barefoot. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. Movie movie. Movie movie. That's how we TV That's how we end them now. Uh yeah. movie Yep. Next episode is going to be our top films of the year. Yikes. That was 2019. Uh 
And that'll be coming shortly. So stick around for that in your feed. It'll be out in a couple weeks. And uh, why don't we get it to him next week, Steve? Maybe we'll see how it goes. Let's John. make sure yeah, it comes out in goes. January. You know, we'll let's do it. Yeah, we'll that way when February starts, we'll be ready to start a whole new looking forward shtick. I like that. You like that? Um, I like it. Okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> that sounds good. We uh, just decided just that. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, do you have anything else? I think that's okay, it. Cool. As always, you made our day. Thanks. Bye. Television. Television. Three, two, one, Watchmen. Watchmen. There you go.